what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Brothers in Tech is a weekly podcast focused on personal and home technology, helping provide you, our fellow brothers and sisters in tech, with some information, assistance, and recommendations. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Brothers in Tech here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson, and over to on the screen, my right, to my left here, <laughs> that's the magic of cameras, uh, is Brian Jackson, my hey, hey. my actual brother in tech. How you doing, Brian? I'm um, I'm great, Alan. Doing good. Excited to be yeah. to be here live. You know, chatting with you about some cool new things. And yeah, I mean, this is this is honestly why we do this um, to get some cool new uh, features out there. Some exciting things. I mean, there's no other reason for you and I to talk. Basically, mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. No, uh, this is kind of like our our fun time of the year where we actually do talk a little bit more than the bare minimum. And uh, talking about right. what Brian's alluding to is uh, every year Apple. You know, we're big Apple fans. You know, we, we've we've kind of made no bones about that on the show before. But uh, Apple does have their annual Worldwide Developers Conference that goes on. The whole goal is to inform people who are developing new apps for the Mac or iPhone or iPad or so forth to explain to them what are some new features and capabilities going going uh, that are going to be happening going forward and some things, some updates and improvements to the phones and iPads and Macs. The great thing for us as consumers is that, you know, you get to really see a lot of the features and um, uh, just new enhancements that are going to be happening to the devices we use here in the coming months. And right. uh, that's why we get excited. So they did have their big keynote on Tuesday and uh, we kind of dissected it. We've gone through it, gotten familiar with everything they announced. So really, here on Brothers in Tech today, we're going to be talking through uh, some of those uh, more interesting updates and things that we feel like are going to be very beneficial or could be really exciting to you all as consumers using this. Um, yeah. So just a quick disclaimer, right? None of this has come out and no one's got their hands. Well, I guess there's been some betas and things, but we right. haven't had our hands on it. We are going by with the way they've demonstrated and the way they've talked about it and some of the research that we've done. So that's right. All this is aspirational. When we say we love this and we love this idea, we're kind of going by the fact that we think it's going to work uh, the way it yeah. says it's going to work. So yeah, absolutely. We are we are we are we are uh, buying into the Apple hype that was given <laughs> off during the keynote. But I, I think we can all attest to things boys, that that's what we do. We've seen things announced in these keynotes before or talked about. And when it comes down to actually rolling out to to being in a, a final product, it doesn't always hold up as much yeah. as expected. So do have to put a little bit of a disclaimer on that for it. <coughs> oh, excuse me. This show, though, just as a back, a reminder to anybody, in case you're joining us or watching for the first time, Brothers in Tech, Brian and I, we are actual brothers. We live on the other sides of the country from each other, but we do get together and talk technology quite a bit. And especially when it talks about technology that is family, home, or personal technology. Uh, We don't get into a lot of corporate enterprise, big, big business technology. We talk about technology that you uh, may find yourself using in your own personal or home or family environment. And also to serve as a little bit of a, an IT resource to those of you that are sometimes maybe called by 
uh, family members in your group to help on an IT issue or a problem. So, Resource uh, or support group, one or the other. A little right? bit of both. A little <laughs> bit of both, I think. So, All right, Brian. Well, let's talk about this Worldwide De- Developers yeah. Conference. And uh, uh, they they went through a lot of things. So go ahead and I'll, I'll go ahead and kind of key it up to everybody too that we are not going to cover everything that was talked about at this conference because yeah. it's a lot. It was about an hour and a half long keynote. If by the end of this, you're still really interested in hearing more about some of the announcements or updates, I recommend going and watching the keynote. You can actually go to Apple's website and there is a button. It's on the homepage now. It may be tucked away after a few more days where you can actually watch the keynote and see the entire presentation and get a sense for everything. Um, But Brian, they covered everything from iOS, which is the operating system that runs your iPhones, to iPad OS to Mac operating system for the Mac computers, as even the watch. They talked about the operating system on that too. So uh, is it okay with you, Brian, if we start? Um, well, let's go ahead and mention about the hardware. Quickly, yeah. Just to yeah. kind of get out of the way. Actually, I'm going to turn this off here. We're going to- and, I, and I'll quickly mention to you, Alan, I think the only thing, the only operating system they didn't mention, and maybe I, maybe I missed it, was uh, tvOS. Yeah, they did not discuss anything with Apple TV US. today. Nope, nothing yeah. there. If you think so, will eventually kind of tie in. Yeah. None of this was specific to that. So, well, Apple has typically, many years past, they didn't do a lot of hardware announcements at these Worldwide right. Developers Conference. They were all focused on the software. They did make a couple hardware announcements this year. They have in a few years past as well. Um, we're not going to spend a lot of time on those because honestly, they're not revolutionary products. They're not anything that's really moving us too terribly forward. They did uh, announce a new processor, which is the M2 that they're making to put start putting into, into products. If you recall, a year and a half, two years ago, we got the M1 that started to get rolled into a lot of products. It was a huge performance boost Big. for yep. Apple when they went to the M1. M2 it's still a nice bump. I mean, they. I think they're saying between 18 and 37 percent improvement in different areas, but it, it's not. It's not this huge, uh, the same type of bump that we saw with the uh, with the first one. Uh, well, I mean, let's be honest. They they shot themselves in the foot by making such a dramatic change with the M1, right? I mean, yeah. and just for people that don't, you know, don't listen to us all the time, which I don't know why you wouldn't, but um, the M1 was was Apple's. Uh, first entry into them making their own chip. So I think that's yep. the big key, right? Is that they made a big splash, M1, we're making the chip, which makes everything more efficient and smooth. Now this is the incremental bump. And I think people are acting a lot like Alan is right now. It's like, oh, only 18% improvement, you know? Yeah. But that's because they went with this that's, massive yeah. update last time. And we knew they couldn't keep that up. If they did, no. they, I mean, it would be insane what uh, they'd leave everyone in the dust. No, it's still great. And I mean, they've still got plenty of numbers to keep growing into. So this is all good. If every couple of years they're rolling out another version of the chip, I think we're on a great pathway going forward. Um, But the only hardware that they announced, they announced two products. One is a brand new MacBook Air. So in case Mm -hmm. you're not familiar with it, and I guess I could bring up just a quick picture of it. MacBook Air is their... um, smallest, thinnest, more most portable laptop that they make. It's meant to be really the easiest one to kind of uh, travel with, the easiest one to kind of move around with. You don't have to worry about any kind of a lot of weight to it. It's also super thin. Now, it's always been kind of the least powerful of the laptops that, that Apple has made. 
is that's still the case and it's also the most uh, the most affordable in a lot of cases too but keeping in mind that they did put the brand new m m uh, m2 into this uh, laptop so automatically you're looking at a much faster laptop than dare say the one i'm on right now which is five years old sure it's a macbook pro but this is going to be faster than it so it's still a very very good machine doesn't have a lot of the pro features doesn't have a lot of the high-end features that a lot of the other laptops do but if your goal is portability, um, ease of use, and cost, I think the MacBook Air is a wonderful, wonderful laptop for most people. So, yeah. So a little bit of a new design to it. I think it looked really nice. Um, I think it's. I think it's much slicker than before. I think the, you know, the uh, kind of the the angled design that, that they had before to try to pretend like the front was really, really thin versus the back and all of that, that they were doing. This is, this is pretty clean. I, uh, I think it's great. Um, and honestly, if you were someone that even six months ago was looking at maybe a MacBook pro, um, especially like the 13 inch MacBook pro that was available at that point, I think this potentially even puts that out of the water. I think that makes that I one so really obsolete. Um, and this is going to be a really, a really slick device. Yep. So I think it's a great product for that. Now, um, I go back, there was a second one, mm-hmm. another item they announced hardware. It's a MacBook Pro, a new 13-inch MacBook Pro. Uh, just to give a little disclaimer here. So what Apple has basically done, uh, they have your MacBook Air, which is your, your, your lighter, maybe lower-end laptop that's really meant for portability. Then they have this weird MacBook Pro 13-inch, and they call it a MacBook Pro, but it's, in all honesty, it's not really a Pro machine. It is called the MacBook Pro, but it's more or less your middle, your middle option on laptops. Um, they did announce a new version. It does have this new chip, so it is a very fast, good machine. I mean, there's no problems with it. It is using the Touch Bear Touch Bar, yep. which, in case you're familiar, that is a Thing is, it was on Apple laptops for several years. I have one on my laptop. I never use it. I never touch it. Uh, this is the last laptop in their Apple's line that still uses that touch bar right now. Um, I don't understand the point of this laptop. I, I mean, I feel I like no you idea. either you either go portable and less expensive, or you go with a pro, a true pro. And this, I think, is a pro in name only. It doesn't have a lot of the ports that uh, a MacBook Pro has doesn't have quite the specs that a real MacBook Pro does. It is less expensive. You can get this for $1,300, which you can't get a, Mac, a true MacBook Pro for $1,300. Yeah. So it's a weird little project. I mean, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying it's, it's a good fit for some people who want to spend that amount of money but have something a little bit more substantial than a MacBook Air. But um, I don't know. It's, it's, not a, it's not a super winner for me. And it's just no, more of an was... incremental upgrade here for them today. Honestly, to me, it was, it was a disappointment. Um, I, I would have preferred they'd just not announce a pro and just just stick with the air and say, we got this cool new air design. It looked like to me that they have they had a lot of the MacBook 13 inch pros that were left over from the last several years. And they the wanted to go ahead and put the M2s in, which I mean, again, yeah. exactly what a lot of people need. But I don't think it needed to be a new product. It was like, hey, we've updated we've updated the 13 by the way at the same time i don't think they should have presented it as oh my gosh there's this new pro because it is it's the exact it's same device and um, yeah. with just a, a lot uh, a better processor which is great 
Um, so no, I think this one is confusing and I would imagine in another year or so this one will be gone and there'll be a new design of pros that will go with that whole line. But uh, yeah. again, great machine for someone that's upgrading. Absolutely great machine if it fits your needs. But um, but no, I don't uh, I don't exactly know what they're doing there. So, um, so I agree with you. I, I wasn't that impressed or even cared much about the hardware. I, I wasn't yeah. uh, expecting the hardware. Um, so that was kind of cool to see the the air. Uh, but the software is where they really shined in this one, I think. So. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that, that, and that's where we have to spend our time right now is really talk about that. So let's let's jump right into software. Yeah. That's really what we're kind of excited about getting into. So iOS. iOS, for those, again, for maybe not familiar, iOS is the operating system that powers your iPhone. Okay. When you turn on your iPhone, this is the system that you're interacting with. The way the icons look, the way they operate, the way you maneuver around through your phone and access different apps, that's all the operating system. So when they make a big update to their operating system, this is now version 16. It means when you install this update and you turn on your phone, things could look, are going to look a little different. Some, there's going to be some new functionality. There's going to be new tools available to you. Um, so let's hit the highlights. There's a lot with yeah. iOS. They probably spent the most amount of time on this one. But let's see if we can hit some of the key things that we feel like are, are big takeaways from this one. Brian, if we can. Sure. Yeah. Uh, what's what's the first thing you got that you think we ought to talk about here? Well, I think, I mean, just let's let's take the path into the phone, right? When you pick up the your iPhone, the first thing that you see is the lock screen. And I, I'll be honest with you, Alan, this is, this is one of, and I'm really glad they let off with this, but this was one of my favorite announcements and and I and I and, and I have to also say as much of a fanboy as I am of, of Apple um, I do have to remind myself that I get caught up uh, in seeing Apple do something like this which looks incredibly slick <laughs> but yet Androids have been doing this for years right yeah, I mean Android yeah. Android has been doing this and had options to do this it's just that Mac has always been so locked down that says you can't do anything to your lock screen except add a different picture and yeah. potentially tell us when you want these announcements to come. Well, they finally opened it up and said, you know what, we're going to allow you to customize your lock screen. And I was so excited. And again, I look at it and go, oh, Apple, you're the greatest instead of, well, it's about time, right, that they are <laughs> right. doing this. But uh, I will say the way they implemented, or at least the way it looks like it's going to be implemented, is beautiful. It's fantastic. Um, so the idea is, you know, you can now customize this lock screen. A lock screen, again, is what you see before you unlock your your phone. And in the past, all you would be able to see is, you know, here's the notifications that you just had. Uh, here's the time. And that's it, right? Maybe here's your, you know, here's what you need to know really quickly and then open up to see more. They basically mm -hmm. have now kind of taken off the guardrails uh, to allow you to, to be flexible with what could go into that lock screen, which I'm just, yeah. I don't know, I'm, I'm super thrilled about because to me, this is always the frustrating part about using an iPhone is that I pick it up and all I'm doing is doing a quick look to see the fact, I mean, I, I don't even actually spend time on lock screen anymore. I don't know about you, Alan. I pick it up and immediately I'm going to unlock it. Oh, sure. Because that's the only no, I'm never on the lock it screen. has, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. But now, yeah. you know, potentially, um, it's going to allow you to do things like, you know, put widgets on there uh, to be able to see your your um, AirPod battery life on the, the lock screen, to be able to see um, your next meeting that's coming up on the lock screen. All of these things that can be dynamically changing 
um, which is super exciting. You know, you're showing there on the right the sports sports scores, right? You can yeah. actually have a game that is that, that is, is showing a ticker, which is awesome, right? It's I just because anymore. that's nothing more frustrating than watching a ball, uh, having to keep up with a score of a ball game when I'm not able to watch it, and I have to constantly be opening my my phone yeah. every few minutes, and keeping and it going unlocked, to the app to it. see it. Where if I can have that pipe into the lock screen and just yeah, have it there available awesome. for me. It's great. Well, all right, let's be honest here. This is basically giving us a lot of capabilities that the Apple Watch were able to do for us a while back. Creating a, your own home face yep. plate like on yep. a watch. And then on the watch, you're also able to add a little bit of the, uh, what do they call them? The uh, Complications. Complications. Mm-hmm. Very yep. similar here, this idea that if I wanted to mm-hmm. add air quality indicator onto my lock screen, I could choose that and place it on there. Um other things I want to see on that home screen, I can now customize, or that lock screen, I can now customize that. Very similar. Um, yep. Notifications yep. are going to come up from the bottom, which I know doesn't sound like a big deal, but it's going to be hopefully a better use of space and better management of those notifications right. the way they roll in. So um, I do love this. I mean, granted, I have to remind myself, even though they say it's customizing the lock screen, I think they're going to give you like six different fonts to choose yep. from. So it's not, right. again, it, it's Apple customization. It's not... Right. like what you'd see with Android or anything else. But I did like what they could let you do with photos where you could actually choose oh, super a photo to drop in there. But if it can detect that there is an actual person in your photo, then you get this cool effect like the one you see on the far left on the screen where the time or some of the stuff can actually be behind the person. Mm-hmm. And it's being using machine learning to identify who is the person and what's the background. And uh, it's just, it's a nice touch. It's a nice yeah, classy touch to slick. it. It just gives a really great look. So, uh, and, I'm, and I'm excited about it. That, yeah. Yeah. They, they do the lockdown. I mean, again, we've got to kind of play both sides here, right? Mac locks things down so that you don't screw it up <laughs> and you don't, and, <laughs> yeah. well, and again, they don't, you know, they don't want their, their products to be seen by others out in the world looking crappy. Right. So mm-hmm. they lock down that here's the fonts you're able to use. Here's the mm-hmm. versions you're able to use. And we're going to make sure that it doesn't look crappy because you can see some Android phones because they're allowed to be changed in all different ways. People do change them in often ways and they may not work that well, or they may not look that good. So, you know, there's a give and take here, but I'm so happy that they finally realized that this was, you know, an area that we could use and, yeah. um, and now we can get more information from it. So I can imagine myself Absolutely. having my next meeting, you know, being dynamically uh, put on there, my, uh, my watch battery life so that I don't have to slide that anywhere. I can always tell like, Ooh, that's going to be an issue or the AirPod battery life. Um, I just think there's some incredibly cool things that can go on there. Now, Alan, one quick question on this and we can, you mm-hmm. know, maybe get to some of the questions later, but what do you, what do you think is going to happen with the battery life here? I've got a question yeah. on that too, because I mean, the idea with the lock screen is, is always, but has been historically fairly static except for just notifications. Right. And then it shuts itself off or turns off after a couple of minutes. When you've got a live sports score that you're now watching on your lock screen and you obviously want it to stay active, uh, you could be looking at a battery hit. I mean, you could be looking at a little more battery drain than you expect with all the customization, all the complications or gadgets or widgets running on that lock screen. It it could, it could have an impact. I think that's a good question or a good thing to keep in mind with for sure. Yeah. So just be aware. Let's talk. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about uh, something else I know we're, we're interested in, Brian. That is, let me scroll on down to find it. And that is messages. Mm-hmm. So messages, I think, 
you know, anybody who uses an iPhone or I mean, uses any phone, but obviously you're familiar if you use an iPhone with the Apple messages, um, they did add really th- three main things to the, the messages app on your iPhone or on iOS. Number one, you can edit a message now, like when this new system rolls out, be able to edit a message. So for example, you type, you hit send. Oh my gosh, I just made a really dumb typo. Go back and edit it. And it will then show the edited message to the people on the other chain. Now it doesn't stop your first one from going through. If they see it immediately when it pops on their screen, they're going to see the typo. But if you fix the typo, they will then see as soon as it's done, they will see the updated uh, version of your text message. So that's nice. Just to kind of help mm-hmm. with some possible uh, little minor embarrassments. Now, if you want to help protect yourself against some bigger embarrassments and they don't have a screen up for this, but I know we can <laughs> talk about that. Uh, there is one where it's a, uh, basically you can unsend your text yeah. message. Yeah. So let's say you sent a text message to somebody and then you realized, Oh, I sent it to the wrong person you can then tell it to unsend it. It will vanish from the other person's message chain. Now, again, if they saw it when it popped up, they still saw it. But if you want to have it pulled back to where they won't see it, if they aren't looking at it for a little bit longer, you can have it disappear. All right. Uh, Brian, I just had this happen to me seriously on just like on Sunday. Uh, I, uh, (laughs) I sent a message and, Luckily, I, I was able to, to clear it out and make sure it didn't uh, get me too in too much of hot water. But I totally, I met somewhere with some people and I'm sending a message that I think I'm sending to one of my sons. It actually gets sent to the host of the place I'm at right now. And it was commenting on something going on at this uh, event. And uh, luckily it was cryptic enough that I don't think they picked up on it. But uh, I could have really dealt with that unsending yeah. uh, right away. So like, we have oh a great my gosh, question. I'm so sorry. My, my son stole my phone and did something. I know. It's like, oh, my son's just writing that. this yeah. crazy stuff. Crazy. What are you going to yeah. do? Kids, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, we do have a good question on the this, this particular uh, uh, function from Shane Flint. Wasn't yeah. there a time limit on the ability to unsend? It's a good question. Brian, do you recall? Was there a I, time limit I on do that? Not, I do not remember that, but I can look that up while we Yeah, while we we'll look it up and see. I think, I think there might have been. Um, I know on the email, we're going to get to email and, uh, you can unsend an email. There is a time limit on that. We're going to check on messages and see what they said with that. Good call. Yeah. So Alan, real quick, I just want to mention, I, I have questions on these two specifically, right? Before you get to okay. the, the next one, which I love. Um, but on these two, I, I have some major concerns and I'm really interested to see how Apple goes about doing this. Right. Uh, let me give you a scenario. Say, um, you know, uh, harassment text that someone sends to someone else Mm -hmm. and then, you know, afterwards goes and removes it or goes and edits it so that it takes out some of the things. Mm -hmm. Is there a a log that will show the original one for, for example, the authorities or something like that? So, you know, if there's, if there's kids that are sending harassing text to one another and then they go in and realize, Oh, someone caught me, let me edit it to say something nice. You know, I get I get very nervous about this. That you know, now that, wouldn't it be? Gone. And again, we're speculating here. I'm not I'm not an expert in, in how the communication uh, document tracking works with this, but I'm assuming because it's using carriers, those carriers are still getting a log of every text sent back and forth. 
Right. So even right. though you personally have chosen to unsend and it has disappeared in theory from that other person's phone, the message was still relayed and has to be documented and tracked somewhere, I would imagine. So, um, but you I bring hope, up a I good point. So. If that's, if that's not the case, that is a, as much as they talked about in the keynote about having some new features to really help people stay private and safe um, and, and, and some really nice things they rolled out for that. This would be a that would be a question mark. That could be a gotcha yeah. on the on the text yeah. chain. You're right about that. Well, I mean, because I mean, honestly, let's, let's most of the issues that have happened with kind of digital harassment um, in the last several years have been from Snapchat. And the whole purpose of that was I'm going to show you something, but it's going to go away, so you have no record of it unless right. you take a screenshot and all of that stuff. So, true. you know, I think that that's a concern. I'm hoping they have some sort of solution, which which I'm sure they do. I mean, Apple is very much into privacy. So I don't think that that'll be a concern. Uh, yeah. Really quickly, Shane, I'm, I'm seeing it looks like 15 minutes. That you have 15 minutes okay. to unsend a message. Um, uh, f- 15 minutes. Through. So that's good yeah. to know. So it's not something where you could text yep. and then the next morning be like, "Ah, I shouldn't have sent that." Yeah, um, this isn't a this isn't a drunk text help. Uh, there are <laughs> there are apps there are apps for that, Alan. I don't know if yeah, you've seen are. that, but there are apps mm-hmm. where that if I send something after a certain time of night, it actually puts into a folder and doesn't go yeah. through until the next morning until I, you know, verify it with someone else. Or I have yeah. to have one of my friends verify that it's okay to send. But, so this is really um, meant you know, for those good. times where, honestly, this is really meant for I sent a text to the wrong the person. The oops. And yeah. I, I noticed yeah. it right away after I sent it. That's really the, the, yeah. the need here. So with this. Yeah. A um, couple more things with messages. Uh, you can unread. A message and what that basically yes. means is you're, you're happy about this. Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. Finally. So basically imagine mm-hmm. the idea that you have your phone, you unlock it and a, uh, a text message had come in and you see it, but it's not really one you're, you want to respond to right now, or you don't want to have to uh, deal with it. You're going to try to work on it later. Unfortunately, it is now seen showing up as red, which means it's not going to be highlighted for you. It's not going to be indicated in any way. You now have with iOS 16, you'll have the ability to unread that message, which means it'll still have the little blue dot saying it is an unread messages. So if you're filtering your messages and just want to see your unread ones, it will still stay unread. It's a great way to make sure it stays at the top of uh, your visibility when you come to your messages and doesn't get lost in the shuffle with a bunch of other ones. Yeah. Well, I'll tell tell you why I'm so excited about this because, um, I mean, it, it, you know, I've been asking for it for well asking. I've been saying that this is a big, uh, a big miss, and partly because of the way that I, you know, I have gotten to use messages. I mean, messages have now become the email of, you know, our current generation, right? It's the way in which mm-hmm. we communicate, and people will send information that they want you to get to. Maybe not right now, but as soon as you get, you know, get a chance to do that. But the way that we interact with our phones is we open them up. And then if, it, if we open it up right to that same screen where that message was coming through, oops, now I don't have any way of reminding myself to come back to this later. Uh, and I just think that was a huge miss up to this point. Um, and maybe they did it to try to teach people about messaging and kind of make it more of a something, hey, I'm going to engage with my phone. I'm not going to wait till later. I'm going to do it now, do it now, do now. And now I think they realize that you know we have enough... <laughs> Uh, lock into our phones that we won't worry about this. But, you know, the other thing, Alan, is I don't know if you use the favorites on messages where you have some people that are up in the the pinned up to the top. Mm -hmm. But if they're pinned, one of the things that's problematic that I'm noticing now is, is, by the way, you're pinned up there. 
um, hmm. is Thank that you. if you send me, if you send him a text, it puts a little blue dot next to your picture to tell me there's a new one there. But if I've already seen it, mm-hmm. then I don't, you know, in the list, you can always see a, um, uh, you can see the most recent uh, language right under the text. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing it's from this person and you see a little bit of that. That's a reminder to me to go, oh yeah, that's right. That one came in recently. But if you send something most recent, because you're in my favorites or a pinned up top, I don't see that you're one of the more recent messages, even if I've already read it. So I lose all of that. And I think this is going to be so helpful um, to use messages as a way of truly communicating like, hey, I'm going to look at this later. I see it, but I want to look at this again later and want to make sure I don't forget about it. So I think it's great. It's probably my most favorite thing of the entire keynote. So. Wow. Big yeah. talk. Big yeah. Yeah. Well, that is, that's messages for the most part. I mean, there's a few other enhancements they made with messages. I think those are the three big kind of takeaways there. Let's uh, talk about the wallet just for a moment too. I thought a couple mm-hmm. of interesting things here that we saw with the wallet on your iPhone uh, system. So one thing is not really shown in the image here, but uh, more expanded use of being able to put ID cards in your wallet. So making it even easier if you're, state where you live or, or any other uh, ID cards you have access to, if they allow that to be done, then it can be loaded on wallet and used very easily. Um, I love this idea of that. If you use Apple pay to purchase things, it can actually feed the receipts and track your orders directly into your wallet app. So it can actually pop up notifications from Apple saying, Hey, you're this item that you bought um, wherever you may have bought it from is now is being delivered or is expected to arrive mm-hmm. on this date. So it's integrating with their ordering system of the websites you bought it from. If you use Apple pay to pay for something online, you also got the option of uh, pay later on things. Anything we use on Apple pay, if it's a uh, splitting the cost of your purchase into four different payments over six weeks with no interest or fees. So if it's something where it just makes better financial sense to, spread that out over a six week period with no interest. It's simple to do within the wallet. They actually just roll that capability in. I loved hearing the fact that it does not affect the actual vendor. The vendor still getting yeah. Yeah. the money for the item yeah. they sold. Apple's the one taking it on saying, we're going to let the payment be spread out over six weeks. Sure. So, yeah. I mean, they're becoming uh, a bank, nice. right? They're becoming yeah. a bank, which is, yeah, they're sitting on that. Really that money, they're right? able to, to build from them. Yeah. Right. So a couple of things I thought were nice with the wallet function there. Mm-hmm. Let's roll back up to maps. Um, the one thing I just, I was going to say about maps and then Brian, if you've got anything to share on there that I loved with this is adding multi stops on a direction routing. So again, what we're Finally. talking about is you, yeah. you want to go to the beach. Okay. You put in rightful beach as your destination on maps, but you got to stop in Charlotte on the way to pick up somebody or you're going to do something on the way. So you need to make sure you're stopping there at a particular place. So now you can add multiple stops along your route and it will guide you to those multiple stops, still giving you the most efficient way to get there. But understanding that you have these different spots to go along, I think you can add up to 15 of these stops uh, in route. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. So if you're really planning a really complex trip or you've got a lot of things to do, just punch them all in. It's okay, Apple, guide me where to go now. And it will take you from stop to stop, just like you put it in there. I think it's great. Yeah. Yep. No, I mean, echoing earlier, it's about time, right? I mean, this is, this is why, this is why Google maps has been 
a better maps program up to this point is, you know, they have, they've been doing this for years, right? Where you can go in and add in a stop along the way. What I don't know, and Alan, and maybe you can remind me if you haven't noticed this, did it allow you right now, the, uh, if you're using Apple maps and you're, and you're navigating to somewhere and then you decide along the way, I need to, I need to go somewhere else along the way. Being able to add that stop uh, currently, you can do that. You can say add a stop, right? But you can just say things like gas. I need gas, right? It only gives you very limited options like gas, coffee. Maybe there's, oh, maybe yeah, there's four yeah. or five, right? That I can you say. You can say search, me that. Search, near, search near where I am and find a gas station near me in this area. And it can but take while you you're, there. But while you're driving, while you're driving, I mean, while, right. you're, while yeah. you're navigating, right? Whereas yeah. Google, Google, your Google Maps, you can be navigating, you can say, add a stop now and it'll say search, right? So I could actually search for anything that I'm wanting along the way, as opposed to just the limited ATM gas, um, you know, those things. And, and, it, and I'm hoping that this will allow that to happen where they're saying, now you want to add a stop, you know, and add it mid, mid trip. Great. Here's a search engine. So you can actually search for where you really want to go. I'm hoping they open that up as part of this. Uh, so, I hope so too. I'm super excited. Uh, Maps yeah, is getting, Really, really good. Um, so I think it's I'm, great. Yep. And there are a lot of other enhancements with maps we're not going to go into, but you can certainly check them out on the website or go watch yep. the keynote and see those as well. Um, okay. Here's probably my number one favorite item. If I had to go Ooh. and predict, uh, Brian, item I'm the happiest about. And it's so simple, but it makes a huge difference. If you have a family on iCloud, which I do. I've got, there's four of us in the household. We all have a iCloud. Each of us have our iCloud account that is part of a family, which means we can share apps that we purchase with one another and so forth. I've never understood why you can't easily share photos with family members. You can, I mean, I can select them and send them to them. But if I'm saying, if I wanted to put them into a place where all of the family members have access to this bank of photos, well, now you do. It's simple. It's sharing. You have a shared library within your family. So if I go out and uh, I'm with the family and I'm taking photos of us out of the lake and uh, so does my wife, she's taking photos. We can actually indicate that we want to put our photos, both of our sets of photos into that family library. And now everybody in the family, our kids and us all have access to those new, those photos in one yeah. place. Um, what I love even better is that there's actually, when you are taking a photo, there's now going to be a little toggle button up in the corner and say, well, when I take these photos, go ahead and start saving them to that family shared album. So you don't have to even think about it afterwards. So if you're somewhere and you're at an event, you're at a trip, you're whatever, touring something, you say, you know what, anything I take here, let's go ahead and just dump it up to that family shared library. You can just go ahead and turn that on and have it do it automatically. So I think it's great. Yeah, uh, it's cool. going to save a lot of duplication because I guarantee you between my wife and I, we have tons of basically the same photos in our libraries taking up space because we've shared them with each other. Now this is just a nice way to make sure we have them in one place and we don't have to worry about uh, duplicating everywhere else or having to coordinate our photo library. Yep. No, but to you, Brian, is this uh, this appealing to you? Yeah, I'm I'm super excited about it. I, again, I don't have the the family uh, size that you have, uh, but I can certainly see this helping out with my wife and I. When you know, I mean, I, I I love the idea that if we're both in the same place and we're both taking pictures, 
that maybe there should be some way in which that not only are those both going to go into the same spot, but maybe it'll even start to eventually notify us. Be like, I'm taking a picture and it says, by the way, Laura's here taking the same picture, <laughs> right? Do you really need to, to, you know, to take up your, uh, your hard drive space on this uh, right now? And that's what I would love to eventually get to. If it makes it simple for like, hey, we're all here. You know, imagine how you go to a, a family reunion and all of these people are in your contacts and eventually it gets to the point where you're taking pictures and maybe even notifies everybody there to say, hey, by the way, Alan's taking pictures and, you know, he's already said that he's willing to share these with anybody that's here. And it just automatically kind of gets to that point. I think we're getting to that point where it just makes it simple, you know, that we're not having everybody with their phone out taking pictures, that there's some collaboration that's occurring. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I think that's great. I think that's great. Yeah. Now, Grant, there's a lot of other things that happened within the iOS listing, a lot of other features. These were really the ones I think that kind of stood out for us that could be the most, I think the ones we're eager to dig into and start using once they become available or they're solving issues that we kind of felt like have been there for a while. And, uh, you know, granted, like you said, Brian, some of these are either just catching up to what Android and other phone systems allowed, or maybe they're fixing things that Apple really didn't have under control in the first place. Yes. The whole sharing photos between your family members. I don't understand why that wasn't done earlier. I'm happy they're doing it now, but uh, a little bit of it is fixing what what to fix. And I get that as well. So that's okay. Um, Let's do this, Brian. Let's, uh, let's move on to the iPad OS. Sure. If we can. And I'm going to look and see, I'm looking to see right now on, website, how I can pull up some of the things regarding iPad. Oh, there we go. Awesome. Okay. So iPad OS, um, a, a few features. Most of the features we talked about with iOS that for the iPhone are ones that a lot of those are getting carried at OS as yeah. well. So it's a little repetitive, some of the things, but let's kind of mention a couple of things that may be a little more unique for this. Um, the biggest thing, the big selling point that they're talking about with the iPad OS uh, version 16, let me see if I can get us down to where that is. Stage. Yeah. So Stage Manager was rolled out as kind of a new, quote, revolutionary way to use your iPad for productivity purposes. The idea with this is that you can basically have, as you can see here, various levels of windows open and you can actually resize those windows to look the way you want them to look on your iPad. And you can have overlapping windows on top of each other. So just think about if you're a typical iPad user, iPad is pretty much a one function at one time kind of device. They rolled it out to where you could do a split screen and have two Mm -hmm. items happening. And that was nice. This expands it to where you technically, from what I understand, if you, even when you add a external monitor to the iPad. You can get up to eight applications kind of in your view simultaneously. So not only is it allowing you to have those overlapping windows and you can toggle between which one you want to work on, but also if you can see on the item icon we have up here on the screen, it's taking other windows or other applications that are open and it's got them tiled on the left-hand side. So it's also a little bit of a switcher between those different different, uh, views. So it's really trying to help with multitasking, trying to help it become a little closer to a desktop type computer environment for you. Brian, yeah. your thoughts. I, I can't remember if you are an iPad user right now or not, but I, is this 
I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm an iPad user. This this uh, this is exciting to me. I, the stage manager, it's manager portion itself is not that exciting yet. Uh, and again, stage managers, that whole you're working on something and then you have these others tiled who you can easily write off stage, basically, and pull them one at a time to kind of swap them out. Uh, and you'll see that that's coming up in Mac OS as well. But uh, but just the fact that they are now allowing overlapping windows, you know, that you could have something that is still full sized, uh, uh, overlapping to something else, like I do with my windows as I as I uh, use a computer, right? It's like I can see notes are back here, and I can see that this web browser is here, and I can just quickly see them both or click between them and kind of highlight one over the other. I think it just makes it so that this is becoming much more like a computer, and um, and I. Uh, well, maybe I won't say more like a computer. It's it's doing the things that have kept people from using it like a computer. Mm-hmm. Um, so really allowing this to now become a daily driver for a lot of people. And the reason yeah. it couldn't before is that it was so clunky, helpful, but clunky to say, oh, I'm going to drag it up and I'm going to make it, you know, size it, uh, spaced out three quarters of the screen is this. And, and you know, you're only dealing with one canvas basically that you can divide up now you've got multiple layers that can really be used and and it's yeah it just it just takes another step to where a very powerful device the ipad right now is incredibly powerful uh and i don't even think people realize how powerful it is because it hasn't been able to do this sort of thing uh and it wasn't a limit of the i mean it's got the processor it wasn't a limit of the processor for a while it's been a limit of the ios and now the ios is kind of getting out of the way to to let it shine so i think it's great can we go ahead and throw out the really kind of disappointing part of all this, though? Yeah, I believe you, you have be to a Debbie use Downer. It. Go ahead. Yeah, I think you have to have a uh, a a version of iPad Pro or iPad that runs a M1 chip. Yeah. Is my understanding. Yeah, and uh, so that is going to limit it to just being more recent iPads that people have bought that has that. Um, it's more of a harbinger of good things to come with it. Unfortunately for me, my iPad Pro, I don't think I'll be able to take advantage of this. It's not an M1 yep. powered uh, device. But again, I mean, I get it. Sometimes you're you're building things forward and you've got to you got to cut loose of the past and and move forward with things. But um <clears throat> of course, you know, that helps them sell more iPads. I'm sure they're not opposed <laughs> you to You think? Yeah. Uh, on that same note with the stage manager, Brian, having an external display Added to your iPad. Now, you've done been able to do this before, but it was mirroring your iPad screen or using it as a player. Like if you had a movie on it, you can play it on the external screen. This now with iOS or iPad OS 16 and a compatible iPad with an M1 chip, uh, you plug up an external monitor and it treats it as an external monitor. You can extend your view to where, as you can see on the example here, they've got a program pulled up on the actual iPad, but then they've got a different program pulled up on the monitor, actually two other programs. My understanding is here's where you could actually have up to eight applications visible to you across the two screens at one time, which is uh, pretty interesting. So yeah, Alan, did you, good, did you, yeah, go yeah, did you mm-hmm. catch that? How do you interact with the information that's on the external monitor? Is it mouse only? I assume. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, mouse only. You have to kind of, you just move your, you just kind of, uh, if you're using a trackpad or something, yeah, or trackpad yeah. or mouse, yeah. it scrolls up and and you go up to your top monitor. You're right. You can't, and obviously, you can't touch, yeah. you can't touch that's, your external monitor. 
Um, So you will have to have some sort of input device connected to your iPad to make this all work the right way. Right. And this is where I think it it loses me a little bit. Um, But it also means that you just have to learn to to interact with the iPad differently. I mean, the iPad has always been to me the the beauty of I can have a keyboard to type, but I can also have finger. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess, you know, the other, the flip side of that is that this would only be something you would use when you go to a desk that actually has that external monitor. So right. if yeah. that's where your mouse is and it's automatically Bluetooth in and you're playing with it and then you unplug and go and now you're back to touch only. Uh, but no, I, I don't know. It felt a little wonky to me because I could see myself wanting to interact with my iPad on the finger and then realize, well, I can't put my finger any further up. So how do I get over there unless I go and now find the, find the mouse? So, um, so yeah, it, it does seem to me it's take a, a lot of learning as people go on with this. Yeah, it, it does seem to be it's more of a situation where, like you said, you have a fixed location with the monitor and maybe a mouse or trackpad that you're yeah. going to pop your iPad into and use it in a more desktop environment. But yeah. uh, then you unplug it and you use it as a touch portable device like it's designed to be um, away from that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think the options are there. This doesn't prevent you from using an iPad like you normally do on your own. It just gives you some greater capability, but you would have to have the mouse or trackpad to do that. Yeah. Um, only other thing I wanted to mention on I- iPad iOS, uh, Brian, I don't think there's a slide on here for it. Well, yeah, there's a little bit of a, a notion there of it. Go. Yeah. Um, it's called display scaling mode. And this is what I personally am excited about. If you can imagine on your iPad, I don't really know of a good way to showcase this. Um, they're going to have an option now on the iPad to change the resolution of your display. And what that means is, is that if you wanted to try to have more things visible on a, on your iPad screen, you could actually scale your resolution up or down to allow more things to be on your screen. So I will mean like fonts and letters will, can get smaller, but it also means more things would be able to be shown. Almost like if you're on a web page and you know how you can zoom in or zoom out of the web page, the same kind of function where like you, things are getting smaller, but you're getting more things on the web page. That's the way the resolution scaling will work on the iPad. So they call it display scaling mode. For somebody like me, I like having a lot of stuff on there. I don't, even my phone, I keep the font size pretty small. I like having just a lot more I can see on a screen at one time. This is going to allow you to do a lot more with that with the iPad yeah. now. So I think that's pretty nice. It's slick. Yep. Yeah. Um, Brian, again, most of the other stuff on the iPad were very similar to what we already talked about with iOS. There's a lot of synergy. A lot of the things yeah. we talked about in iOS are getting rolled over to the iPad OS as well. So there's, it's a great upgrade for the iPad, but we've talked about a lot of the items already. Yeah. It's okay with you. Let's go over to Mac OS. So this is yeah, the actual operating good. system on the Mac computer, which, you know, you and I are kind of the, the one, I, I don't know about you, Brian, but it's the one I get the most excited about just because I am, mm-hmm. I still ultimately am a Mac guy. I, I, I love my iPhone, but I get my work done on my Mac. I actually am yep. productive on my Mac. My phone is more of an input and viewing device. So I always get the most excited when I hear about the Mac upgrades. So the latest Mac operating system is going to be called Ventura. Uh, I should note that all of these are scheduled to come out in September. Is that uh, what you're hearing as well? Yeah, I heard early fall. So yeah, I would assume September. September September-ish should Mm -hmm. be the time frame that all of these will be released. And they're normally released within 
either at the same time or within a couple, a few weeks of each other, you know, coming out. So I think only the, only the hardware is coming out earlier, right? I think the hardware is available yeah. to order pretty soon, but the software I think is early fall. Yep. Well, let's talk about Mac OS. Yeah. Uh, Brian, let me, let's talk about mail because this is, mm. <laughs> I, I need you, I need you to help me understand something here. Okay. <laughs> yep. Cause I could yep. get really excited about this. I am not currently using the Mac built-in mail because of a couple of functions that I've been missing. One of those functions is to schedule when I send something uh, because I don't always, if I'm working sometimes late at night or other times, or I don't want, just don't want the email to, to show up in somebody's inbox until a certain time. Yep. Uh, I, I need the capability of scheduling that sending of email. So the new mail on OS Ventura will do that. It's great. Mm-hmm. Here's you have it also an undo send kind of like we talked about with messages where I, I, I want to undo the sending of that. You have a time limit on that as well, but you can still hit that undo send and it will make that in, that message disappear from that other recipients box. Now, Brian, here's my question though. I am a big guy on snoozing of emails. It's the whole reason I have used so many other different email programs and not used OS 10 mail because, or OS mail for the Mac because of its ability to not snooze emails, meaning an email shows up in my inbox. I do not need to look at it. I don't need to address it. I don't need to deal with it right now. I can snooze it till the weekend. Maybe if it's something I want to work on over the weekend, when the weekend comes around, the email pops back in my inbox automatically at that time. I love that function. I use it daily. Yep. Yep. So my question, Brian is (laughs) they announced a, 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 a feature on their new mail program called Remind Me, which the way they described it in the keynote, it sounds a lot like snoozing. It said, you can basically do a Remind Me, yeah, and it's going to bring that email back up to you at a different time. They even showed when you right-clicked on the, the mail, it gave you an option of what time. Do you want it to be tonight? Do you want it to be tomorrow? Do you want it to be whatever? Sounds like snoozing to me. I, I don't know if you got the same yeah. impression or not. Uh, well, or I, it I, hope, I hope it acts that way. I mean, that's that again, that's the hope, right? That's the that's the one feature that I uh, am very frustrated that I don't have in mail. And you and I have talked about before. I mean, I think I, I got you kind of into my email fetish there for a while of different uh, email programs. And I think you're still using Spark. Is that right? I am. Okay. Yeah. And I was using Spark as well, but unfortunately it doesn't work with our university system very well. uh, So I stopped, but the snooze was really, really uh, helpful. And I'm hoping that that's the case. I'm hoping they've taken this and said, you know what, you know, maybe there's a different way in which they're handling it. Um, You know, Alan, part of, part of the beauty of what they were uh, showing with mail also was the idea that you know, there's different ways in which you can filter things now, right? Like the the focus versus non-focused. And I think that that then allows them to hide things for a certain amount of time. So so maybe it's not that, you know, what, what uh, the other mail clients do is they put it into another mailbox and they say, okay, yep. this goes into this mailbox. And then we basically look into that mailbox every so often to pull things back out. Maybe they're just having creative ways of hiding things. So I'd be really interested to see what would happen with some of these reminders, because one of the things about snooze, and you've mentioned this before, is anytime that you use a snooze feature with an email, um, be very careful because you need to use that same snooze feature and same email client across all your devices, 
because yeah, if you're right. snoozing it with with Spark on um, uh, on Mac OS, but then uh, you're using Apple Mail on your iPhone, it'll still be there. It's not been snoozed. You get confused, right? And maybe this is their way of dealing with that to say, listen, if you're using it on Mail on all your devices, it'll hide appropriately as part of the focus and then come back at certain times. We're not going to create a new Which, you know, mailbox or maybe so. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I love the idea of it. I just want to see it in action. So yeah, that'll I agree. Be, that, I agree. That'll be a bit, if they pull it off to where that works or it has that same functionality idea, then I'm, I'm, I'm on board. I'm back, back on in. OS 10 yep. mail. I'm ready to go. Let's yeah. do it. Um, yeah. Yep. Very excited about that. Yeah. Um, something else with Mac OS. Well, the stage manager, let me mm-hmm. see if I can bring up a slide of that. We already talked about the sl- the stage manager with iPad, uh, but you do have that same capability. Here we go on the Mac. Yep. Same idea in that obviously on a Mac, you've already had tiled windows. You've already had overlapping screens, which was new for the iPad, but on the Mac, you can now kind of create your own workspaces. So let's say there's a certain group of applications that you work alongside each other, or you have a certain, I'm in a, my creative mode and I've got these five applications I'm going to work on to, to do things in that creative space. You can create that workspace here, arrange your different groups of apps around a different task or project. You can arrange them, resize them, have them different shapes on your screen. And then whenever you want to toggle over to another layout, you've got them running along the left-hand side of the little thumbnails. You click on it and then all the applications switch out and all your views switch to this new layout that you've got. Um, Brian, (sighs) this one I don't know about because we just... Mac has had so many iterations of ways that they've tried to help you organize or be more productive on your workspace. They've used, I've seen spaces, I've seen launch pad, I think is what they called it. Yeah. Um, Multiple desktops and all that. Multiple desktops. So many different ways of doing this. Uh, I just don't know if this is the one that's going to stick or not, because none of the other ones in my mind have really caught on and become the way that people use their Mac anymore. So, yeah. um, I mean, my only, my only hope, Alan, is that they, they've realized that other people don't use those other features like they thought they would, right? Things like multiple yeah. desktops and all of that. I mean, I, I know some people that use multiple desktops all the time, right? Where they, it's like, okay, this is my play desktop. This is my work desktop. And I just swipe the forefinger over or whatever and be able to do it. But I think one of the big challenges has always been that, I can't remember where those other desktops are, like how many swipes over do I go? And this kind of solves that, right? I have a little tray that says, yeah, here are the things that are in waiting. You want to just quick quick change. You don't have to, to get all the other stuff out of your way. You can actually just, you know, switch from one to the other. So I think that, I think there's a benefit uh, for that. I'm hopeful, um, but I'm with you. I mean, I, I'm, I'm keeping myself from getting excited because, I always got excited about the other ones like the focus modes and all these things. And then I never use them. And um, so I'm hopeful that this is different, but I'm not willing to say it is yet. Okay. Well, Jerry's still out on that one. We will certainly see, but I'm already ready to give this the winner. Uh, Probably my second most excited feature I've seen. Yep. Yep. For the Mac OS is the idea of the continuity camera. Brian, you want to describe for us what this is? Yeah, I'm just going to get super excited when I, I mean, I was, myself. yeah, I was, yeah. I was excited as well. But this is um, 
a wireless way to use your iPhone as your webcam and to take advantage of those fantastic cameras that are built into the iPhone now, the multiple lenses that are built in. Um, and as you can see here, that I think they they even said that there's going to be uh, little mounts that they'll you know sell and be very Apple like. Uh, Probably for fifty dollars. <laughs> fifty bucks for a little piece of plastic that'll that'll be your tray. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Alan, you and I actually, I was thinking, you know, we we both have kind of our magnet cases and everything. It would be kind of cool mm -hmm. to create a way in which there's a magnet version where you can kind of snap it up there. But anyway, yeah. the idea is that this is wireless, that I could just select and say, I want to use my phone as the um, the webcam and be able to do that. Um, you know, there are other things. Alan's actually, you've, you've, you've provided us at least one in the past uh, well, service that does this by wire. Is that right? They, well, yes and no. There's three, three okay. different applications I currently use to connect my phone to use it as a video camera. Cause I actually use it in my studio production at different places. Yeah. Uh, one of them is camo studio. That one requires camo. a wired connection. Yep. It's probably my favorite quality wise, but it does require a wired connection. There is another one called epoch, uh, epoch cam epoch that cam, will allow right. you to go wired or wireless, but the wireless has been a little temperamental the times I've used it. And then a third one detail, which I tried to do as a, as a, brothers and tech suggestion on the show and it crapped out on us during that. So I have not used that one as much since then. Yeah. Uh, what I like about this is a, it's native built in. You don't have to have any additional software or buy any other yep. app. Um, it's wireless. So meaning you do not have to be plugged in as long as you're on the same iCloud account and in proximity of each other, it's going to see it and use it as a camera. Um, the other thing I like about this <laughs> I was hoping that they, they have a demo of it. Let's see if they do. Yes. <laughs> the thing that I've not seen any other camera do uh, when you turn your phone into a, a camera or your webcam is because the iPhone, at least newer ones, uh, ones in the last few years, have a wide angle lens as well as a standard lens on the phone. It actually is going to use your wide angle lens to create a desk view simultaneously. So imagine you're on a webcam, uh, a, a Zoom call and you want to show them something in front of you, what you're writing, what you're putting together, what you're playing, if you're playing an instrument, something like that. It's using that wide angle lens to actually create another view down on your desk right below you. And then within the program, wherever you are, Zoom or whatever, you can toggle between them. So you could have your face view and you could yeah. have your desk view and you could show them at the same time. Uh, so you can actually do demonstrations. You can uh, think about uh, people, teachers, especially during the pandemic when they were teaching from home and they had to actually demonstrate or show things. I mean, how great would it have been to have that desk view set up? A lot of people I know who try to mimic this have done it by having two different webcams and just having to go and choose between the two webcams in the zoom or wherever they are. But with this, it's all done within the iPhone camera and it's going to look yeah. really, really nice too. So I just, Very I love fun. this. I think that's great. Yeah. I think it's so much fun. Yeah. I, I have questions about how, how it will work and whether it works. Like, uh, you know, I did read that some people that got their hands on it right away and some of the uh, developer uh, sessions said it kind of crapped out right away and didn't really work the way it was supposed to, but you know, Mac, uh, you know, Apple will, will fix that. But the fact sure. that it's taking a, you know, a static image, trimming it down, inverting it, 
presenting it back again and only providing you a part of it. Now, on that same note, what's really cool, um, and Alan, I don't know if you caught this or not, but the idea that, you know, if I was standing and on a standing desk and I was swaying back and forth, that because it's got this wide angle, it can actually follow me mm -hmm. very similar to what, you know, uh, I think um, Microsoft Teams does that right now. Not very yeah. well, but it does that, um, you know, the Facebook portal sort of things do that where it follows you. But sure. this will actually trim as long because it's gathering everything. Uh, you know, very wide. So it can just say, no, we're just going to trim out using some AI and try to figure out where you are and follow you. So if you sway, yeah. you can still be in the center of the, the screen. So they call this uh, center stage, center, center stage, stage is the name of that. Mm -hmm. There you go. Yeah. Well, plus you get all the benefits of the iPhone camera, like the portrait mode and studio lights and all that, that are built into the camera on the f iPhone can now apply to your Zoom or Microsoft Teams or WebEx meetings. Uh, by if you use your iPhone as a camera now, Super you know, yeah. the downside is, I mean, you have, to, if, if you just have your iPhone and it's your iPhone that you use primarily, it means you do have to go and physically set it up and use it. And obviously you don't have access to your phone while it's being used as a camera, unless you're somebody like me and I've got 14 iPhones back in my studio, <laughs> I will gladly take one of them and make that my permanent <laughs> webcam always up there. Yeah. So I never have yeah. to worry about losing my own phone. So, yeah. Okay. And one other, right. one other real question, uh, question sure. that I'm hoping that they solve is that if we do this, because the, the phone is facing away from us now, I'm hoping that in the corner of the window will show my battery life of the phone because I can Good see call. the fact that I Good can't point. see if it's getting ready mm -hmm. to die and I'm teaching a three hour class and you know, I would love to know whether or not I am running short of battery or if I need to plug in that sort of thing. So as long uh, as that there's got to be something, it, but uh, I would there. think that that would have to be a must. I'd have to do that. Yeah. So, yep. you know, Brian, right. um, can we flip over to the watch OS? I mean, Mac OS again, sure. there were some other things on the Mac. I, I just, I think those were the main things we wanted to jump out and really talk about, but, uh, watch OS. Let's see if I can get over to the watch OS. I know it was on here a second ago. Here we go. Yeah. A couple of things with the watch. They did talk about the watch OS, the latest version of it. I believe it is OS nine. Is that right for the watch? Yeah. I think so. Yep. Watch uh, OS yep. nine. Mm -hmm. um, you got a couple items. Maybe we can share about the watch on this. Yeah. No, I, I, I thought, um, well, it, it wasn't incredibly exciting what was going on with, uh, with the watch, but I think that also shows that they feel pretty happy with where the watch is right now and they want to make some incremental changes. Um, I was super excited about this, what you're showing right now, which is heart rate zones. And mm -hmm. for anybody who's had, um, you know, Garmin's in the past or polar watches and, and really paid attention to kind of, you know, triathlon training or some of their marathon training and all of these things in which the training modes really do have to do not just with what's my heart rate, but is my heart rate in the correct zone? And by zones, zones are, you know, if you're going to train and it says I need to work out for 10 minutes in heart rate zone three, that's just saying that I need to get up to a certain range of my heart rate and really to get the cardio benefit that I want. And so now you can actually set some of those ranges. So rather than you having to, to look every time as you're running and try to figure out, am I, what is my heart rate? And is that where I wanted it to be or not? You could go ahead and set and say, I need to see how much time I was spending in heart rate, you know, zone three or zone four or, you know, in cool down. Um, so I think that was that was super slick. That's just a that's just again catching up with the leaders in the exercise uh, wearables world mm -hmm. that have been doing this forever. 
Um, but it makes it even, it makes it continues to make it more for the high end trainer as opposed to just, you know, the everyday person, right. It allows it to go. Sure. There's also some cool things, Alan, about like, um, uh, actually if you slide up just a little bit there, I think, yes, things like running power, uh, it's, it's starting to recognize some of the cool things about your, your form, you know, as you see there, it says like it's going to have stride length and ground contact time or oscillation. Those are just ways in which this becomes a real runner's device where runners are going to go out and actually try to figure out, oh, this was my biomechanics of the way that in which I was running. So when they really try to dial that in for the everyday person, it's not going to matter. But for the fact that they're now trying to become a device that actually works with high end runners, I mean, I'll tell you, Alan, in the past, and you remember when we had uh you know, our, our, my buddy Jeff Hartman on here before, he was a big runner, marathon runner. He would say, he's like, I love the watch and I love the way that it tracks things, but it can't last a full marathon, right? I mean, I can't go out and, and record a full marathon sorry, because it'll it'll it it'll die and uh, it doesn't have the power. Sorry, she thinks I'm talking to her. Um, but now, you know, I guess they're finally realizing they're to the point where the battery's getting better. They can actually handle some of these things and make it a real runner's device, so. So that that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, you know, most of the enhancements I think seem to be in the fitness realm. There were a couple of items I thought there may be a little more for everybody, whether you're in, in, into fitness or not. Uh, medications have really kind of stepped up, both on the watch and how applied to the phone as well. So basically, you can keep track of your medications and have your watch and or phone uh, remind you of your medication schedule help manage how many, how, when your medications are up for refills. Um, it's just kind of nice. I mean, things where yeah. you can actually be able to scan in your medication. If your pharmacy provider is kind of allowing this to happen or works with their, their platform, scan in your prescription and it can then take the information, give you all the details about it. And also make sure that you've got a kind of reminder to take it each day, letting you know when it's running low and you need to get a reorder in. So, yeah, I wasn't quite sure why this was a watch OS thing, because to me, that's just a notification that's coming from the health app. Uh, I think I it's think just that the fact starting that, yeah. to tap into, they're starting to tap into other things like, hey, your heart rate was high and we know yeah. you're on this, you know, blood pressure, uh, whatever, you know, uh, medication. You need to be aware that the interaction of these things. But I felt it felt yeah. a little bit more like just a, a health app. No, I agree. I agree. I'm not really sure why they kind of tagged his watch, unless it's just they know that most of the the reminders you're going to get are going to be coming through your watch when it comes to medication times or possibly. Uh, Sleep is the other thing I am curious about. They have expanded their use of sleep analysis on the watch to where it will now actually manage your sleep stages, which is when you go to sleep, you know, there's REM sleep, there's core sleep, there's deep sleep. A lot of apps I've used will help you track that automatically and you can see the next morning kind of what your different levels of sleep were throughout the evening. Well, now the watch uh, with the health app on your phone working together can track all that for you. So your watch will actually better monitor for your sleep stages and then translate that data to your fitness app or health app on your, uh, on your, on your phone to view as well. Um, I like that. I mean, if it, anytime, if it means that it's one less app, I have to keep separate to do, that's great. And I I do think Apple takes help pretty seriously. So I think this should have some good solid information, but we'll see if it holds up or as does as much as some of the other sleep apps you can get right now will do for you. So, so that's really the, the watch OS. I mean, you know, there's some new watch faces and, 
feel nice uh, enhancements, visual enhancements. But I think the biggest thing we saw a lot of enhancements on the fitness side or tracking of your, your workouts or runs yep. and then sleep and medication seem to be the two things that were other additions to the watch OS in general. So Brian, I, I know we're, we're running a, a little long, but this is all good. I want to keep, keep exploring. Right. I know, I know just a <laughs> bit. Um, but there were two other, I guess, quote operating systems that we didn't really talk about yet. And partly because we're not really sure how these are going to come yeah. about. Uh, I think they look cool, but I don't know if, uh, if they're going to do everything we're, we're kind of hoping or expecting. And I don't even know if they're here, Brian, where are they going to be? Were they under mm. iOS? I think they were under iOS. Yeah, I probably. I think they were deep in the list here, mm -hmm. but basically we're talking about the home, home, home app yep. Yep. Uh, or okay. your home kit, you know, how you're, the thing that kind of got us started even talking about on the show here is the whole idea of home automation and how we manage it. So as I scroll down and find the home app, which I know is in here because I saw there it is. There we go. So the home app is going to be getting a new version, uh, a whole new interface to it as well. You see a little preview of it on the screen there. Rebuilt, they say, to be more efficient and reliable. Um, that's remains to be seen. Obviously we'll, we haven't actually experienced it and managed it to see how it works. I'm a really big critic of the home app. I, I have very specific things I'd love to see them do. I can't quite tell if they've done them or not. So I have to really get my hands on this to see for sure. The big thing I was going to say about the home app is that it is, they have kind of come out and announced it officially that there's that consortium of different manufacturers and developers who've created a common standard for home automation devices, and they're calling it Matter. And Apple did announce that with iOS 16 and the home version there, it is going to tap into that Matter platform. Now, what we don't know is uh, how extensive is that going to be? Does that mean that any of these devices that now you see at the store that are Google or Alexa compatible, if if they've tapped into that same consortium, that same partnership, are they now going to be available on the home kit natively? It was really broad the way they described it in the keynote. They just kind of said, Hey, it's going to be a lot more compatible and there's going to be a lot yeah. more accessibility. And that was it. So, there's a lot here we don't know yet about the home app and home automation and whether things are going to get improved or not. Um, I like what I see about the interface enhancements, yeah. but yep. I just don't know. I mean, again, I, I like the home app. The first time I saw the current home app being just demonstrated, I got into it. And after you, for a couple of years, you start to realize there's a few things you'd like to see that done differently. So uh, maybe jury's a little out yeah. a little too soon Jury, on this. Brian, out. I know you're not a I know you're not a deep HomeKit user. You're on the uh, other platforms there. Yep. But um Yep, I am. And I and you know, my big question is just how matter is going to be utilized in the future. And um if it works out the way it's supposed to, then I know new products will all be kind of on the same standard where you can kind of intermix them all within the same uh ecosystem. I just don't know, you know, is it backwards compatible? Will I have to buy all new devices in order for this to work? Or will it have a way in which it recognizes yeah. devices that were only, you know, Amazon or only Google before that now kind of come into this uh, world? And I'm guessing probably not. I'm thinking there's probably some hardware element that's going to be required. But yeah, it, I think I might have wait and see on that. Um, well, I'm really anticipating getting to play with it because, of course, I love home automation. I love working in HomeKit. 
Uh, I hope he's going to get a lot more content for us to yeah. discuss here in the show. But it, they really talked about it for maybe two minutes in the keynote. And it was very broad and very vague in a lot of the ways they talked about it. So we'll see when it when it comes out later this yep. fall. Yep. The other one that also is going to be one that I think we can just kind of tease a little bit, but there's a lot of question marks still for us about this is the new version of CarPlay. Again, for those not uh, not remembering or familiar, CarPlay is Apple's version of when you plug up your phone to your car, if your car is compatible or has compatibility with Apple's CarPlay, when you hook up your phone, it allows there to be a phone-like interface on your computer, on your car dashboard, or on the computer screen in your car. And you can basically control things from your phone, just like your podcast, your music, your maps, all that. It basically integrates your phone into your car interface. And it's yeah. just a nice, it's great. Um, this new version, the next generation of CarPlay looks amazing. It looks unbelievable. Um, <laughs> it really does. Yeah. If you're seeing the demo right here we're showing on the screen, this is a car. Now, granted, this is not a car that is widely available right now or <laughs> that most of us are going to get unless we maybe have 80, 80 grand or so to spend on it. But this is uh, where car makers are going to start using more digital panels throughout their dashboard instead of the gauges, the more manual yep. gauges or other things they've got. And they're going to, if they are compatible with CarPlay, they're going to allow Apple to tap into those. So not just the one little entertainment screen that you normally have for your music and maps and so forth, but things like your odometer and your climate control and all that can be seen through CarPlay. Yep. And the idea with it is that you will have complete control over how you want to lay out information on your screens and on your dashboard if your car is of a compatible type and it works with this next generation of CarPlay. So imagine, you know, if it's t if CarPlay is interacting with your car and getting things like speed and temperature and other things that, you know, gas level, that CarPlay will actually be able to show that on these modules on your dashboard for you. So you never have to leave CarPlay. That is the one thing, Brian, I've got CarPlay on my car right now and I love it. But if I want to go and use the radio or if I want to go yeah. and yeah. adjust the climate or the heating on my seats, I have to leave the CarPlay app on the screen and go to the native car manufacturer interface and do everything there. Man, I'm so sorry. I mean, that I know, I mean, it really a, just sounds, really, sounds brutal. Gosh, that sounds really so brutal. Tough. Gosh. <laughs> no, I, I really appreciate that. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, that's right. I know you I feel mean, my pain. I don't know how you, I don't know how you live right now, but you know. I just, yeah. I don't even go Good drive because I'm like, really? why? Why? What's the Good point? This is barbaric. <laughs> this is barbaric. Um, <laughs> but the idea that I could just leave this interface up and it's given me all this great information. Plus I customize it. Like you can see on the sample here. They've got not only their their uh, tripometer and they've got their odometer up there, but they've got their calendar popping up up there and that in their dashboard. They've got um, uh, the temperature at uh, another city that they're going to up there on the screen, and they even see like their home kit status on like their garage door uh, open or closed. Yeah. I love this. I love this concept, but I know that I need to temper my expectations because this will be. Several years down the road, I remember when they first announced CarPlay, it felt like it was forever before I actually saw a car that I could 
get and drive or be a part of that had that built into it. So I know we're ways off, but it's nice to know that they're moving things forward. Um, Yeah. Let me, let me just really tap in just really quickly to say what makes me most excited about this. Obviously I, I don't have CarPlay. I I have a much older car and, and, and won't get to enjoy this for quite a while, but um, we're getting closer and this, to me, this is the perfect example of where I hope computing goes in the future. And I don't want to spend much time because we could go on and on and on. But the way the car play environment should work uh, or looks like it's going to work is exactly how I want computers to be operating in the future. I have my my phone in my, my uh, pocket. I get into a car and that car looks like my dash. <laughs> That car mm-hmm. looks like my layout, right? Exactly like I want computers to be eventually. Eventually, Alan, I want to be able to go to your house, not have to take my laptop with me, borrow your laptop, and and know that it, since my phone is in my pocket, your laptop becomes my operating system, right? It's basically I'm yeah, just using right. a shell, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I want I want that to be the case where we're not having to be so tied into multiple um multiple uh, what am I trying to say? processors, right? That we have processors mm-hmm. and everything that are doing things. You have a phone that can do so much. And this is the example of it, right? That my wife can jump in the car and it and start it up and her dashboard comes up, you know, and yep. it doesn't have to push yep. the, the button on the side that says, you know, user number one and having all the things change. It's, it's natural. Yep. It's happening, right? I could let a friend borrow it. And if I give them permission, they hop in and it looks like their dashboard, just like their mm-hmm. car at home. Or I go rent a car and it looks exactly like my dashboard layout that I have at home because it's all being based off of the phone, which is in my, my, uh, uh, which is in my yeah. pocket. So no, that's, I mean, that, that's, that's my dream, right? Look, in theory, that's the way CarPlay works already. Yeah. If, if my wife came in and plugged up her iPhone to my car, it's going to show the apps she has selected to show up on the CarPlay menu. And it's obviously going to be her her library of music and so forth. Right. This is just expanding it to say now it extends to the dashboard. Now it extends to the rest the of the actual driving car. experience. Yeah. yeah. And that driving yeah. experience can be very personalized based on how you have your CarPlay yeah. saved and set up. It. It's I exciting. It. really is. Yeah. Uh, I didn't notice. I didn't hear this in the uh keynote but it is on the website vehicle announcements for the next generation of carplay coming in late 2023 yeah. so if the vehicle yeah. announcements are not till late 2023 that means we won't see them till 2024 possibly right. 2025 so we're yeah. a ways off but yeah fun to yeah. see where they're going it's a great demo when they showed it up on the screen so it was fantastic yeah so now brian Ooh. um i know we had a lot of stuff there yeah yeah. All the operating systems, and we didn't cover probably a third of the things they mentioned, but I do feel like these are probably the most monumental things or the things that we're seeing the most impact with. But Brian, if I had to ask you, just looking back over everything we talked about, what two or three things are you the most excited about overall? Are you the most okay. looking forward to getting to play with whenever they come out yep. on your device? Number one, I won't spend much time on because I've already mentioned it. Uh, being able to save messages is new. To me, that's just a, I mean, that is something, it's not a huge deal, right? It's not a big, you know, update. It's, mm-hmm. but it's one of the most functional things that drives me nuts. So I'm happy about that. Um, I'd say number two, Alan, is the lock screen, because again, I use it all the time, right? We all use the lock mm-hmm. screen, or I should say, we see the lock screen. We don't necessarily get to use it a lot. So I am incredibly excited about how can I make this more functional so that I don't have to always dig into yeah. my phone and I can get more information. And also we didn't mention, but this is another piece I'm kind of excited about is 
you know, focuses has become a big thing within the Mac ecosystem recently, mm-hmm. like a work focus, a home focus. And it doesn't work incredibly well right now because sometimes we work away and work at home. But what I do love is that now when I pick up my phone, you can actually make your lock screens based on your focus. So it's yeah. a much more clear, like I pick up the phone and I know, oh, it's still set to work focus and I'm home now. Let me turn that off as opposed to seeing the little icons and all of that. And it just could be a, a way in which your interaction of that changes. And so when I'm at home, yes, show me the Blazor scores. When I'm at work, don't show me those scores. Do this. Yeah. It's just going to be a, a better a better way of interacting. So, Well, I hope that works. I really want to use the focus feature on the phone. Yeah. I really do. On the phone, Mac, everywhere. I just, I, ne- I have not got it to where it works for me. And I found yeah. myself more frustrated because it'll be in the different mode than what I expected to be in because I forgot to switch it. And it's just, it's, it's more annoying. So yeah. well, I, think I want like it to work. This will be more, this will be more to obvious work. to you when you're, when you're Good. in one or the other. Uh, so. And I'd say that maybe, maybe the third one is more just aspirational as CarPlay. I just, I think that the future of that is so exciting. Um, yeah. You know, they have several others that I'm excited about, but I'm going to use those as my top three. Those are the things that I was most excited about. What about you? Yeah. Um, I think, uh, well, shared photos with the family, probably number one. Yep. Continuity camera, number two, just because I am really excited about using that. Number three is a question mark for me, but if they figured out how to do a snooze type capability on the email program. That's pretty big then that'll be my number three. So that's my hopeful, those those three. Um, yeah, I think there's just some great things. You know, the thing is, as I look at all of this, Brian, with everything they announced, it, it wasn't that there was any one thing that was just revolutionary. Right. Everything's very evolutionary. But they hit on so many different little things that collectively you look at it are like, yeah, the, all these things have some improvement on the way we use our devices. And I guess that's the ultimate goal. Yeah. They're improving interaction and usability, I think, which was great. Uh, Are there big questions you've got still right now? Yeah, I've got I've got a bunch of questions, but I mean, I I think just the the key keys for me, where I mentioned like unsend and edit messages, I'm really kind of concerned about how that could be uh, used in the wrong way, Um, manipulated. I'm hoping that they'll see some. There'll be some, um, you know, safety behind that. Uh, obviously we mentioned the back towards compatibility of HomeKit. I think that's still a question mm-hmm. to me, you know, is this going to be an exciting thing or am I going to have to spend a lot of money in order to yep. really make this work? Um, and several other things that came up really had to do to me with battery life that if I'm using my phone as my webcam or I'm using this lock screen, that's more interactive mm-hmm. and dynamic, what's going to happen to battery life and is battery life really going to hit? Luckily the new phones, their battery life is really, really good. Yeah, but, but it's also a re- it it's also it's kind of a balancing act. I mean, you get more yeah. battery life, but if you're getting a system that uses that battery life more, yeah, then it you don't really enjoy the benefit of a of a much longer battery life. So yeah, yeah. so those are some of my questions. I, I'm with you on those. I'm very questioning the HomeKit enhancements, what the interface yeah. is going to look like and work, and uh, and like you said about backwards compatibility with other HomeKit devices or other devices from other manufacturers? Are they going to be able to work backwards or do I have to go out and get all new devices? And then that whole main stage, just because it was such a big part of the keynote, they spent a lot of time talking about it for both the Mac and the iPad. I like any ideas to make things more productive, but I'm just, I really have to sit there and 
and, and play yeah. with it and see if I can make it work for me because previous versions have just not, I am still a very bare bones user when it comes to interface. It is windows, every windows up, every application's up and running. I don't organize them. I don't put them in spaces. Yeah. So is this going to be a challenge that is going to kind of, you're going to lose steam and forget about a year from now, or is this really a, a new way to work with your device that makes sense? So. And I and I and I'm with you on that. I don't know that it's going to work that uh, the way that they're hoping it works. But I also I do not mind at all anytime they want to put an option like that in. I mean, it'd be one an thing option. if this was like yeah. everybody's going to be using Mainstage from now. That's your desktop. Yeah. No, if it's an option, uh, by all means, let's let's do it. Give me give me five or six different ways that I could potentially focus more effectively. I mean, Alan, if I have a document that I'm working on and I only want to work on that. I can do that whole full screen now. And it's really cool. It's like, mm-hmm. that's it. That's sure. all I can do. Right. But there are issues there where I want to get out of it. And then I'm trying to figure out how do I get out of it? And what do I do? And, and how can I find some information, but not all information? So maybe this, maybe this will do it. And if they keep developing other things that are options, uh, I'm, I'm all for it. So I'm all options for are good as long as they don't get you they don't make things overly complicated with too many right. gestures, too right. many buttons, yeah. too many things have to deal with setting. Um, I'd be curious to see how it plays out. So. Yeah. yeah. Overall, I do think it was probably one of the more full keynotes and a set of announcements I've seen where it felt like every operating system had some decent amount of updates to it with the exception of the yeah. TV OS. And, yeah. uh, I, overall it was pretty fun. Again, there's a lot of other things we didn't talk about. So if you found this whole hour and a half of us talking enlightening and interesting, I do encourage you to go spend another hour and a half and watch the keynote. You can actually yeah. see all the updates and a little more demonstration than what we're able to give because we don't have our hands on this new software yet yeah. and won't for a few more months. So, Alan, can I just mention one one quick thing? We didn't talk about it, but I only want to spend you know 20 seconds on it. But uh, I don't know if you noticed that when you mentioned Wallet, and I thought it was incredibly cool, and they just breezed past it. The idea that potentially a digital wallet or digital ID, if you go and let's say you want to buy alcohol, that potentially you could show them a version of your ID that only says, yes, this person is 21 and this is their birthday, rather than showing them an ID that has all sorts of other things like my address on it and all of that. I don't know if you noticed that, but there are ways in which you can actually make, it's kind of like the health ID where you could say, hey, by the way, I can tweak this to say, I'll show you my digital ID says verified they are over 21 or something as opposed to when we give our ids i mean there are valuable stuff on there that potentially Mm -hmm. becomes a security issue so i i think anytime we can digitize some of this and know that there's security obviously they have things like pass key and all this other stuff we didn't Mm -hmm. talk about because i'm not really sure how it works but mac does a really good job of trying to keep security uh, first and foremost and if they can make efficient while also keeping it secure. And I think that's a really good example of those that got me excited. I was like, oh, wait a minute. I could definitely see how that helps, right? Not have to turn my ID over to someone, um, not have to you know, give them permission. Just like with medical mm-hmm. ID, I want to show you when I'm lying, you called me yesterday when I was on a run about to die. It's like, <laughs> I want someone to be able to grab my phone and see how to call and get the information about my blood type without all the other stuff, right? And that's just another example. So I think you know, Apple's doing some great, exciting things. And that was just one of the little keys that kind of snuck in there that I think is, uh, explains a lot about the yeah. way that they're approaching this. So it's cool. That's good. Uh, just for reference, All that right. was like two and that was like two and a half minutes. So just, uh,
No, just letting you know. It was not yeah. two and a half minutes. Yeah. It was about two. Like, just like about, the keynote was wasn't an hour two. and a half. It was like two hours. So, you know, anyway, whatever. It was about two minutes. <sighs> okay. Yeah. yeah thanks. <laughs> <laughs> just letting you know. No, that's good. Good points. Good points yeah. all the same. Yeah. Yep. All, all right. right. Um, well, let's wrap this up, Brian. Um, okay. The good thing is these are all things we'll probably be talking about in future episodes in the fall when that, when all these things are coming out and we can kind of attest mm-hmm. to it. But in the meantime, Brian, if somebody wants to kind of dialogue with us, maybe they've got questions or some features that we didn't hit on that they're excited about that we want to cover maybe in a follow-up episode, we can certainly do that. How, uh, how do you recommend they go ahead and try to talk to us? Yeah, send us an email at uh, info at the mesh.tv and uh, you know, let us know about future topics that you're interested in. Tell us uh, where we screwed up uh, with our explanation of stuff, which I'm sure is many. Um, so info at the mesh.tv. You can also go to our website at www.brothers-n-tech.com. Brothers-n-tech.com. That is our show for today. Thanks so much for watching or listening. Again, follow up with us. Uh, ask us a question. We're happy to happy to uh, entertain your questions or thoughts or ideas you've got about anything we're talking about, family, home, and personal technology, uh, and, and especially in this particular episode, or what kind of new fun things could be coming down the pike for us before too long. All right, so we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Brian, thanks. It's good seeing you as thanks, always. Man. Yeah. All right. Happy Take care, birthday. everyone. Oh yeah. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, just uh, yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. Yeah. It was yesterday. Yeah. Yes. I have to remind you of these things now. You're to that age. I know. So. I'm old. All right. I don't remember <laughs> these things very well. So thanks there. All right, man. Take yeah. care, everybody. See you. All right. Bye-bye. Oh, I always forget. Oh, hold on, everybody. I've got to oh, actually gosh. play the closing on this. Jeez. Yeah. I forget. Here we go. All right. Goodbye. Um, yeah. right. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.